Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, welcome to another podcast week. I am really looking forward to this episode. Um, I was introduced to Kathy Crawford, who's today's guest, through Maggie Reyes. And I don't remember off the top of my head which episode Maggie was on, but I'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> Maggie's an amazing relationship coach. And um, I was asking in the life coaching group for to have a deeper conversation about when to share all the intimate details of your life, what feels like secrets, what can get in the way of a healthy relationship, what can get in the way of living like a full authentic life. Um, And Maggie recommended Kathy and her book called Unlocking Secrets. So although her story, and I'm gonna let Kathy introduce herself and we'll just dive in and have an awesome conversation, But um, although her story is not specifically about abortion, it is very much about stigma. And so that is what we're trying to do here in my community is just kind of break down the stigma with our stories and understand like, how does it affect our lives? How does it affect our healing? How does it affect our relationships? And what are the tools to get rid of it? (laughs) Although I don't know that getting rid of it completely is ever possible. So Kathy, I'll let you introduce yourself and then we'll just see where it leads. Does that sound good? It sounds fantastic. Thank you you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, So I am a master transformational life coach. I do um, special work with the shadow. I break through the shadow process. All those limiting beliefs and where did they form and start from? Um, And but I'm also a business and sales strategist for um, entrepreneurs and up to mid-sized businesses. Um, the reason I do both is because I had an incredible 25-year career, um, which we'll talk about a little bit and how that tied into some of my secrets and shames. No, I love I, it. Yeah, I had a 25-year career working for such fabulous brands as Cartier and Chanel. I was the director of sales, traveled the globe, had that perfect job. Um, And so when I left that to do um, coaching and consulting full time, I still brought a piece of that with me because Mm. I love helping and helping women, mentoring women. So So amazing. So anyone out there, I love um, helping you um, go, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there and a lot of businesses and there's so much digital online marketing and all of that stuff to get through. So, so, um, but my, um, my biggest joy has been, and my biggest breakthrough was when I wrote my memoir, Mm. Unlocking Secrets, my journey to an open heart. Mm. And um, it's, it is a memoir. I never set out to write a book. Um, (laughs) When I was on my road, uh, my path to healing, um, I finally told my story and um, it was from that point that I realized all the hiding I had been doing Mm -hmm. was just did not need to happen. It was all in my, not all in Mm -hmm. my head, but it was in my head. And when I shared my story, it was so powerful that someone asked me to write a book. Where did you share it that led to, led to that book? What do you mean when I shared my story? Yeah. So, um, so I guess we have to back up a little bit, right? We have to share. Yeah, we'll be up and down and back and forth the whole podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so what had happened for me, um, I shared my story because I had had, um, there was, my husband had been um, diagnosed back in the early 80s with HIV. Mm. but they also called it AIDS because they didn't even have HIV back then. Right. And, um, you know, we were young. 
I was in my 30s. We just had our second child. Like life was good. And the next thing we know, we go for a life insurance policies for our, because we bought a home. And the next thing I know, he's declined. And it's like, uh, we have to call your doctor to find out. And, you know, being in your thirties, I didn't really have a doctor. I had my gynecologist, but I had to go to find a doctor. So he found a doctor. He gave us the results. We walked in and um, sat down, had no idea what it could possibly be. And um, said, and so he said, literally the two of us were just sitting there. He had a hard time looking at us. And he said, this is the first time I've ever had to say this. He wow. said, so I'm just going to say it. You have AIDS and you are going to die. There is nothing, nothing that we can do for you. There's no cure, there's no treatment. And I would advise you to go home, keep your children close to you, um, get your affairs in order, and I wish you the best of luck. And he literally stood up. I mean, I was, my mouth was hanging open. My husband's hands, you know, head was in his hands. I mean, I couldn't even believe this. And, you know, there was absolutely no compassion. The man was terrified, um, probably just wanted us out of the office because again, we're talking, it's a lot different now, Amanda, but we're talking right. back in the early eighties. Like, could you look at somebody and catch it? Right. It was right. like, he wanted us out. So we got out and um, we got to the car and, you know, it was a, a very difficult moment. And um, we just sat there speechless. And um, I realized that, did I have AIDS? Right, right. Did the baby who was less than a year old have AIDS? You know, there's my husband and realizing at that moment, oh my God, I could have given this to Kathy and to my, his son. And um, he just said, and my mother was watching the kids. Yeah. And he said, until we figure this out, until we understand what's going on, don't go home and tell your mother, right? Isn't that like every like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like don't tell your mother, wait, 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 let's just, you know. And of course I was like, I would never, I didn't even know, like I was still in shock. So, so that is really the moment. And that's why I share it it wasn't a conscious secret. It wasn't like, you know, we're never going to say this. I just was like, sure, figuring somewhere at some point we would talk about this. Right. So it was over 20 years and we never told a soul. Never told. Wow. Including our children. So even as the HIV, like, so I, I was born in 79. Okay. <laughs> so I remember when HIV sort of hit the news, mm -hmm. um, but certainly, <laughs> certainly not the way you do. So even as that became more talked and talked about, you didn't share with your story. No, um, it was back in the days when I would see Oprah and she had yeah. Ryan White on and she had, you know, there was so like this little boy. And that was the other thing. I was also protecting my children um, because what would happen? We lived in small town community, right? What would happen if the town or the community found out he had AIDS? Would, he, would my kids wow. be allowed to go to school? And did you and your children get tested? Like, how did you... Or did you just wait and see if anyone got sick? What well, was very interesting, um, I did get tested uh -huh. and I learned a lot at that point. And that was to be tested anonymously because oh, okay. once what had happened, unfortunately with, with my husband, Larry, because he went for a blood test to have a life insurance policy, that's that's um, information that's shared with healthcare providers. On your, it's on your credit record. It's on your medical records. So he no longer could get insurance. Wow. He could no longer get anything. So the one thing I did learn from that moment was um, I got tested um, anonymously. And no, I did not have it. Because I did not have it, the only person we had ever told was the pediatrician. Wow. 
and we told him the situation and he had just started treating, you know, or seeing many more AIDS babies in the hospital. And he just kept looking at my son and he's like, you know, I really, I really don't think he has it. He said, yeah. um, you don't have it. Right. You know, let's, let's watch this. And, um, I don't even know where I was coming oh from my gosh. when I'd wow. seen you know, some people are like, why didn't you? But then I also knew that if he was that from in the healthcare industry, right. In the health, um, you know, getting him, um, insured and there was just been a whole nightmare yeah, there. Right. So, um, so not knowing was but, also part of the survival. Yeah. So we, Oh we my goodness. So on that, we'll, that's a really happy note, but I will tell you as a mom and a mother, I, um, I was very nervous for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Plus I had a five-year-old at home. Now we don't know how you transit, no transmission. Daddy can have a sip from your cup. Um, using daddy's hair comb or I don't know, like just, you know, they're wow. children, right? They're all How like long was it before you understood it enough to know like, okay, we're not spreading it around in the house? Um, I never was afforded that opportunity because it wasn't until much later did they know more about AIDS and HIV. So wow. pretty much prior, Larry wound up living eight years, close to okay. eight years. His yeah. diagnosis was gonna be less than six months, could have been six weeks. So even after his passing, cause you said you didn't share for 20 years. So even after his passing, you kept that secret. This yes. is amazing. Okay, I need to get this book. <laughs> we all need to get this book. It is a great, you know, I will tell you, it, it's, there's so much richness in it. And I'm going to say this much because, you know, people think that the story is about HIV and the secret. But when we come and we continue to talk, this, the secret is really about learning to love yourself. Yeah, of course. It really turned out to be, I mean, I didn't have AIDS. I yeah. didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Um, but the stigma and the shame around it was, um, I lived what I thought was protecting everyone, but really who I was protecting was myself. So until I, I blamed myself for everything. I blamed yeah. myself for everything. Had I, wow. well, if I didn't marry him, if I didn't have the kids, now I gave them a father, now they, they're orphans, they don't have a dad, like, oh, the stories, Amanda, I was an incredible storyteller, and they were real, they were based on real, but the question was, and this is why, you, you know, 20 years later, I'm still trying to heal myself, and I'm on this great spiritual journey and I go to India and I'm a yoga teacher as I'm working at Chanel and Cartier and traveling the globe. I'm living these two different lives, right? Oh. And um, I, um, I just felt that there was no point in telling anyone. I never realized that mm -hmm. what I had been holding on to, you know, in my spiritual journey, I was trying to heal myself, right? I was trying to heal my heart, right? So you go through all of your life, your parents, your this, your that. And, but I never connected um, that holding this um, secret that Larry and I had was actually the catalyst for healing my heart. Whoa. <laughs> It's yeah, it amazing. Was. Amazing. And so as this healing evolved, was actually sharing a part of the healing or was it just doing the inner work to come to a place where you could share if you wanted to? Am I making sense? It does. And what yeah. I'll say to that is I, I was the queen of workshops. I was the queen of retreats. <laughs> I took this person's <laughs> program. I was in the yoga studio three times a day. I got my teaching and uh, certificate, my meditation teacher training. I did it all, but nothing 
I'm not, and listen, I was doing pretty good. All right. I'm living in yeah. Manhattan. My kids are now grown. You know, I've got this great job. Um, but nothing, I still always felt like something was off. Like mm. I never felt complete. I never felt, and I don't want to use the word broken, but the word that I was you would use was I was, there was something missing. I was just going to say, like, I just keep seeing the word empty. Like there was this like, yeah, interesting. Because I had lost the greatest love of my life. Yeah. And I did all those things. I even remarried and I gave that a shot and it was wonderful, but it wasn't for me. You know, it just, it was because I was trying to do all the things that everyone said to do to fix myself, you know, yeah. boys should have a father, go get it, you know, keep climbing the corporate ladder, travel, date. I lived in Manhattan, bought the convertible, you know, like did it all, right? Yeah. Had a great yeah. life. So yeah. part of me was like, never was on my radar that what I had lived through back then was still with me. Mm. And that's so powerful for, um, in our conversation yes that exactly. we we kind of tuck things aside right we yeah. put I tucked it away in my heart to me that was what me keeping that secret was what I had left between Larry and I mm -hmm. we had this beautiful bond it was like no one could un ever understand that why would I want to share that why would some maybe somebody would taint it but my biggest thing was I was how do you say to somebody a coworker, you know, oh, your husband died. I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you. What did he die of? Right now? Oh, he died of HIV. Now he really, this was uh, another loophole for me. He didn't really die from HIV. He wound up dying from cancer because his body had no immune system, but he never got AIDS, right? He never got, mm. so he had gotten lymphomic, which is like another, it's just another way your T cells don't drop that far. Um, and I could never imagine saying that to anybody. And um, then when I did start to, when I did finally say that, the next thing I knew well, was how did he get it? Yeah. Oh, that, that was the big can of worms because I want you to remember I have two children. Mm -hmm. Now I'm starting to talk about their dad. Oh, and you know, oh, he had HIV. How did he get it? He was a heroin addict. He was a recovered yeah. heroin addict. Right. So in the beginning of our marriage, I lived through that horrific experience of living with a hardcore addict who, when I married him, he wasn't. Yeah. And you know, you go through the drug years. So after the after we had split up, got back together, and you know, life was gonna be good, right? Everything yeah. was in place. I bought the house, had the second kid, like job was good, life was rocking. And, you know, a couple of months into the house, you get the phone call from the insurance agent. And then my world just exploded. Yeah, yeah. So, so there were like different layers of stigma, yeah. right? Different layers and, and, of shame. Who's gonna, because now I'm gonna tell people about this man that I really, who's an incredible man and I love him to death. and. Even aside from loving him to death, I'm just, I, he's just a really cool guy. I love him, right? Yeah, yeah. Now I got to paint a picture of somebody who's been a heroin addict at some point in his life and, and contracted, you know, AIDS. Totally. How would, you, how would you feel having a husband or a dad? And my biggest thing was my children, was protecting yeah. them from how they felt about him. Yeah, this is so interesting, though, how we keep these secrets when there's so many layers of shame and stigma even if you're not really aware they're there like for my audience sometimes they've had like an out of you know like an extramarital or just out of partnership relationship that they got pregnant and then aborted that baby and never told their partner or maybe they're just in an abusive relationship and didn't feel comfortable telling their partner that they had this abortion or, so there's like the layers of shame around the abortion itself. And then the having some other affair or being in a marriage that wasn't healthy or like 
there's often so many layers of shame and there's stigma that yeah. get piled up. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts to our stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, people now, I cannot tell you how they open up to me. I'm called the truth teller. I mean, uh -huh. you know, because um, that's really what happens. That one conversation, that one sentence opens up a can of worms, yeah. right? And there's a lot of explaining. And, you know, it's just um, my biggest fear was you rejection. You know, I had built mm -hmm. an incredible career. I was at the top of my game. And what would my colleagues think? What would these, you know, incredible corporations think of me if I couldn't? Because I, I felt that that was about my own personal judgment. Well, boy, you really picked the wrong guy. Yeah. What does that say about Kathy? Right. But yeah. That, that's where the work comes in. Because I'll let you totally. know, they got nothing to do with Kathy. It was not anything <laughs> I did. Right. But I carried it like I was the one. I was yes. the one who had HIV. Yes. I was the one who was the heroin addict. I caused all of this. Um, so, oh, man, you, that sentence right there, I hear from client after client after client. Like, I caused all this. Yeah. This is all my fault. So, I have to bear this burden. Oh. I have to feel this shame. I have to live in hiding. And another layer of shame that gets added in, in my audience in particular, but probably in your story as well, is like the good mom story, right? Like a good mom doesn't have an abortion. A loving mom doesn't have an abortion, just like a loving mom doesn't have a dad who's a heroin addict, right? Like as in a child's dad. Um but yeah, I think as women, we're just conditioned to take on, just like you said, to take on all those layers as our, as our own and then to hide them because they mean something about us. We think, we tell ourselves they mean something about us. Well, they do. There are triggers yeah. to our own shadows and our own um, beliefs. So like in the book, I write about my parents um, in the early years because they were kids having kids. And, you know, the reason I brought them up and I, it was laying the foundation for the type of person I was to wind up carrying all of this, right? Yeah. It always comes back. So I always say a lot of the, well, and especially I work with the shadow and, and I do a lot on limiting beliefs and underlying commitments and things like that. And um, if we don't know where they come from, right? Like we know, what situation we're in right now, but how did we get there? So if we wanna to continue to grow and release a lot of that, we have to know, we have to start at the beginning of where it came from. What did we mm. make this mean about um, ourselves as children? Cause that's usually it's to keep ourselves safe. Mm -hmm, so for me, mm -hmm. My mother used, and this is so, you know, she always used to say to me whenever I got in trouble, she's like, if, if people really knew who you were, where do your father yeah. get from? Who finds out who you really are? Oh I my goodness. Never yeah. that correlation with my professional life, right? Wow, or my yeah. personal life. It was yeah. like, oh, it, there must be something wrong with me. So if I don't let anyone see me or know me, then I'm yeah. safe. So I built like, I can't tell you how many careers for many of my, my managers and C-suite people. Cause I was like, it was all coming from me, but I stayed right under that radar because I didn't want to be exposed because I ran mm. the risk of people finding out who I really was. Wow. I was going to ask you, as you were saying that, like when you say, where does it come from? Do you, do you, do you stay in this lifetime? Or do you ever find that it goes back to generational stories or, you know, past lives or whatever? Oh, absolutely. I was yeah. sitting in an ashram once and I was working with a Vedic priest and I said to him, listen, nobody gets dealt the shit I did. <laughs> it's like, what did I do? You know, what did I do? And I do believe, um, I do believe that it is some of it's your karma and you do continue to come back and burn off your karma. But I am really in a such a beautiful place because I feel like Kathy, um, most of my 
burning off of my karma was done very young. Because you have to remember, I was mm. widowed with two children, mm-hmm. and uh, under the I was in my thirties. Like I didn't even know anyone who died, let alone right, like how right. do I become a widow or grief or loss? Like I knew nothing, and um, so. But what's what's happened for me is that in all of the karma that I came to burn off and to really understand, and that was the reason I believe that I was brought back here, my karma has now really become my dharma. Mm -hmm. And that is where I really help women to release their stories, to know that they're not their stories, to really, you know, I have to tell you, Amanda, I... There are so many successful women when I'm talking like in the context of great jobs, great careers, you know, and they're no different than, you know, the person you're sitting next to. You don't know what people are holding onto and what their, what their pain is. And I think that what it gave me the ability to do, um, which turned into my Dharma was living always in a place of love. I was desperately always seeking love. And that's why I brought up the parents in the beginning of the book, right? That unconditional love, mm-hmm. like good enough and all that stuff. So, but the love that I was always searching for on the outside, the approval, not letting anybody in because I wanted to be perfect Kathy, you know, mm-hmm. and I overcompensated um, for that was really learning um, compassion, mm-hmm. love, being able to learn to hold space for people, to yeah. non practice non judgment, you know. So there's a lot that I've learned. So now, as the wise warrior, I like to say that I am. <laughs> um, it's but it's still a process that I believe we all have to go through. Whatever your karma is, or whatever is happening. Yeah. It's Do you there. want to define karma and dharma for listeners who are new to so that language? Karma, yeah. So the karma, um, your karma are like the things that you need, you know, if you believe in at all, like about the soul and reincarnation, and I do not profess to be an expert on it, but that we keep coming back because there's things that are left unfinished, right? So we come back and for me, so my karma was, I was, um, I was always searching for love with my mother. My mother was a really, she could have, should have been the best, best friend, right? She was just like, she was an artist. She was very cool. She lived during the women's movement, you know, but as a mom, I was like, I just want cookies and milk after school, you know? So um, anyway, so I was always um, in that shadow. I was always under the radar. And so our, my karma, probably my karma was to really, um, was to come back and do this work around love. Mm. And I remember like crying to my mother, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And she would just be like, she wants it. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. And I'd be like, who could feel like that? Like, that's so not compassionate. That's your mother, blah, blah, blah. Um, long story short, really the gift that was in that, which is what I needed to learn in that karma that I was burning off, was that all the love that I needed, everything that I was willing to do to live with a heroin addict, to keep quiet about this HIV and AIDS and this and that, all of that was because of the love. Oh, I was, I love somebody so much, I'm willing to do this. Mm. Well, I love somebody so much that I gave up. Your love became a burden. No, I don't know if I the love way it. you carried it. No, self-fulfilling prophecy was never going to happen because uh, the only way okay. to love, the way only way to love or understand love is to you got to start with yourself. If you don't love yourself, yeah. how the hell can you love other people? How can you take in love? Right. So my greatest teacher was my mother, because the love that I always said I wanted was in me all along. I know it's the Wizard mm. of Oz. Did you see that work with your mother like after your husband's passing later on your retreats and workshops and growth journeys? I or saw, like, when did you notice that connection all the oh, way back? It was, it was after both had passed. 
both my mother and my husband is long okay. past because as I said, this journey didn't stop. See, when Larry died, I'll, I'll share a little secret with you because I'm filled with secrets and it might, I hope it sounds, it doesn't matter how it sounds because I'm just going to say it. But when I was living for eight years in that uncertainty and not knowing when he was going to die and trying yeah. to live life and, you know, I want to go on family vacation, um, but we don't really have the money and I don't know what's going to happen. Right. So I always lived in this, like the shoe's going to, going to hit, you know, the shoe's going to drop. Drop. Yeah. Um, I went on, I, I continued on that journey and I lost my train, but uh, my train of thought, um, it was after both of them had died and I was still searching for that piece inside of me that just didn't seem quite whole or quite complete. And um, that is when I started working with a, um, a renowned meditation teacher who is uh -huh. a student um, and friend of Ram Das, And that's when I really started to understand the spiritual world and I remember saying, um, he was telling me how closed my heart was. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, are you crazy? I'm like, I <laughs> and back. my heart is cracked into a million different pieces. There's so many different ways that this light can get into my heart. And he was like, I hate to tell you, um, but I have to, your heart is like a sheet. It's like armor is surrounded. Wow. And I'm like, no, I'm so love. I go help right, people. Right. I, do this. I take yoga. I'm doing all this like spiritual work. And he was like, no. And he described my heart. He said, your heart is like the bottom of a shipwreck. And it's been in that bottom of the ocean for so long. And there's just barnacles just growing over mm. it and over it. And that's all of the pain. That's all of the hiding. That's all the shame, the judgment, the guilt, right? And I was like, it blew me away. And then once I knew that, it was the peeling back. It was the melting of the heart. It was learning to open up my heart. And when I was able to open up my heart, I was able to see the love that I was searching for and mm. the perfect world that I wanted. And everybody else had everything except me. All of that really just really dissolved. And mm. It was, it was in me all along, but I had been searching on the external. If I didn't do this, if I didn't do that. So wow. I think if we look at some of these things and especially with your audience and abortion and these things and do we set, tell them, or don't we? It's, I think with anything you need to find the gift and for some of us, depending on where we are in the story and in our lives, it's really hard to find the gift, especially when it's mm -hmm. painful. How do we find the gift? But because I lived that life um, and had all of this, yeah, I just want to say that on the other side, for me, has been pure joy and bliss. Yeah. I am living a real and authentic life. I help other women lead a real and authentic life um and you don't have to write a book but you got to find that one person that yeah. one person that you can really open up to and explore mm -hmm. so much of this mm. yeah two things came up when you were talking is um you know i think one of the ways we can start to see is like how are we telling ourselves the story how do you know how what's what are the truths and lies and beliefs we have around our own story like how do we tell ourselves a story do we feel love when we tell it to ourselves or do we feel shame do we feel compassion or do we feel guilt like how do we practice telling ourselves our own stories like start there you can learn so much right there um and then also this like finding of the gift. Um, I say all the time that like abortion is just a door. You can use it to find the gift, but you can also use something else. You can use HIV, you can use a car accident, you can use oftentimes it is in something that like really raw and vulnerable, something that shakes you up. 
that opens the door for you to walk through, but there is always a gift. And if you want to use abortion to find it, I feel like that's my work. Like the work we end up doing is everything you just talked about. It is finding that self-compassion, finding that love, finding that ability to connect with your truth and your intuition and your inner knowing. Do you wanna walk through the door of abortion or do you want to walk through the door somewhere else <laughs> you know this is this is, it, it, but the thing is is that like when you asked about dharma and, and well so your dharma is your truth that is walking through the door so yeah. the karma is the lesson it's the what's happening what do we have to work on um and your goal of course is to not create new karma right but so i now live my dharma instead of my karma Right? Okay. So I think that what's really important um, for everyone to know in this is that the bottom line is you have to tell the truth. Mm. When you're creating these stories, because we don't sit there and say, let me create this story. They just mm -hmm. kind of happen and they unfold. And we're so busy covering up, you know, what we don't want people to know and we're hiding. That's how the story gets created. And we wind up believing our own stories, right? Of course. Like, you know, and then we don't even realize their stories. Yeah, we just think like I, yeah. yeah. Like I never thought of this as a story, right? right? So the thing was telling the truth and how I wound up, like the, the turning point for me was I had, um, I take women um, on retreats, empowerment and spiritual retreats. And there was someone on this retreat who said to me, you have three angels in back of you. And I'm like, yeah right, whatever, right, but I was like, yep, Larry, my mother, my father, I knew exactly who they were, and um, she said, well, they have a message for you, and I was like, yeah, and she was like, they want you to let them go, and I was like, well, where do they want to go, they didn't want to be with me in life, they're all dead, and now I, I they don't even want to be my guardian angels, and she's like, no, 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 you're not hearing, what they're saying and I was like what are they saying and they were basically saying you are fine you are mm. perfect you, there's no reason to hold on to this anymore mm. it was and I was like okay here it comes well who was I without my story yeah who was I without holding this bond between um, Larry and myself, who was I without my parents? And mm. right, like I had a lot of loss and I'm like, you don't even want to be here now. But I talked, so in that moment, I then was the very first time I told my teacher, I told my spiritual teacher and she said to me, she said, and that's, what she, you know, she's like, Obviously, you're holding on to story. You need to let the story go. And there's me, good student, new workshop. How do I do that? How do I do that? That's all I wanted to know, right? Yeah. And she said, you, you, you've got to say it out loud. You've got to release this because you are not this story. And I'm like, oh, yes, I am. This is my life, you know? And she was yeah. like, no, you are not your story. Yeah. So I went to a workshop at, this is just, amazing and I'll share this so maybe I can inspire some of your people I went to in a workshop at Omega okay and it was a transformational speaking and it turned out I had bought this book when I was at the ashram that day experiencing all this transformation that was happening turned out the teacher was teaching there the woman who wrote the book like six months later I had signed up for the class way back in April and I didn't even want to go. August came. I'm not going to go. Da, da, da. I went. I said, I'm going to sit in the back of the room. I'm not saying anything. Life is good. <laughs> this up? And um, it was like a, th a three-day workshop. So by the second day, you had to start sharing your stories. Now, I didn't even know where to start because this is a 20-year thing. Like, what do I start with, right? I just, um, I did get up and I shared. We had like, I think it was 12 minutes to share your story. And I was like, how do I do that? And um, when I released the story, I did say that Larry had um, HIV and, and everything, all my deep secrets. And I looked up and there was only, it was a small group, maybe there were like 15 people there. And I looked up and 
all the fear and the rejection that I thought was going to, you know, I'd be faced with, there were tears, there mm. were smiles, there was hugging, there was like, this story is incredible. And uh, let me tell you, Amanda, I didn't even touch on the story, right? <laughs> right. I, I was just like, I don't know, I'm this crazy woman trying to heal her heart, you know? And, um, and then it turned out later on um, that one of the people that was at the event uh, at the um, workshop was the vice president of Hay House. Oh, so when I asked you that first question way back, how did sharing your story lead to a book? So don't you think that part of what they heard was not even the words of your story, but they heard your letting go. Like they heard your vulnerability. They heard your, like, it was that a moment where like you opened your heart a little bit and, and that's what they felt. Um, what I would say is what they heard in my story was themselves. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. About it was me. the connection, I, right? Like you opened connection. enough for a connection. Like you said, everybody has yeah. their own story, yes. right? Whether it's abortion, drug addiction, rape, yes. murder, it, everybody has something. And when I had the courage to go up, that's what they saw, you know, the yes. courage to go up and they knew how vulnerable, I was like trembling, trembling. Yeah. And so many people then like just came up to me after that and just shared their secrets, who was raped, who was a yeah. nurse that was addicted to oh. opioids. Like all of this stuff came out. And that's when I realized I wasn't alone. Right. Yeah. So this is the Dharma. This is the gift. This is the gift by me sharing my story. I don't care if it's with one person. If yeah. I can make, if I can make an impact that it inspires them to share theirs or to be open about it and to really admit the truth. That's the work. And that's why I love the work now that I do, which is yeah. help women and men, you know, there are men, but yeah. really um, break through the story that's holding them back yeah. from living who they are and authentically yeah. and not being ashamed. Right. Oh my goodness. So can you correct me if I'm hearing this wrong, but when you say, um, let, you know, like I forgot the meditation teacher, I think. Oh yeah. So like their message is to let you, let them go. No, his message, my meditation teacher was that I kept saying, well, I'm here to study with you because I'm so open and I want to fix myself. Yeah. Oh, that was the heart. Okay. Yeah. So and he who, was like, who told heart. you the angels were with you? And it was there, you know, oh, one, the of the, oh, one of the people <laughs> who were on the retreat. Okay. So anyway, that message of let them go. What I hear when you say that is let them go as a part of your identity because you are whole and complete without their story as a part of your life. Is that what you mean by let them go? As in like, they, they don't make your, you whole and complete, you know, their, their part, their, the, their part in your life isn't what completes you. What you are whole and complete without them as a part of your identity. Is that, am I hearing that right? Yeah, because we're not, I'm not, I wasn't, you know, we, yeah, I, I'm not them. They're part of my story. Yes, yeah. But they're not my story. Kathy yeah. Crawford, yeah. right? That's not who I am, yeah. but this is what we do. We identify with the circumstances of our life. And then we yeah. start to become that. I become yeah. a person, yeah. I become, you know, a corporate, like, you know, a corporate um icon in my business right yeah, yeah. They know, but that's not those are just exterior roles yeah right? one of my um earliest mentors and teachers always says like you know we, we create these cords in our heart right like we cord to other people and the only people we should ever let into our heart as a part of like as literally as a part of us are our children only when they were small right and then we also cut that cord like that we you know we cannot create those cords between even the people we love the very most because we are 
whole and complete without them, right? Like, and if you have those cords, that's the letting go. It's like absolutely. And I yeah. did use that, but, and thank you for reminding me because I did use that visualization. She's, you know, my 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 spiritual teacher said to me, you know, you have to cut the cord, and she actually yeah. used that. She's just like, you have to let them go. Right. You have to let all those stories go. And I think mm -hmm. that. On the other side, I think that so many of us, and this is what I do in my my work, is that we're all afraid of what's on the other side of this fear. Because, right, if we're in fear, we know what we got, right? We know what our life is right yeah. now. And yeah. I was like, do I really need to mess with it? Like, it's pretty good. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. do I need to really? But I think that there's people, and if, and if you're feeling that pull, you need to trust that. If you're, if you're, if you're, intuitively feeling like there's something more or I've got to do something with this um trust your body trust mm -hmm. yourself mm -hmm. because I always knew but I was too afraid I was paralyzed in fear the fear mm -hmm. of rejection the fear of shame the fear of judgment and when yeah. I stood up and I those people looked at me I said to myself I just wasted 20 years of my life mm. Right, because my goal was to always help people. Do you see it now as a waste, or do you see no, it now no. as a part of your journey? <laughs> I absolutely, yeah. because in that, but I totally know what you mean. Yeah, but yeah. it was like I was hiding, and yeah. look at the work I could have been doing. Look yeah. at how, because listen, I could have, you know, I could have gotten more involved in the AIDS community. Mm -hmm. I actually had turned out I have something in my DNA. Um, that prevents me from getting HIV. Oh, wow. But I was never able to share that with anyone because wow. I'm in the medical books, but nobody knows that, right? Be again, layers on layers on layers. And it's really true what we teach our kid. One lie goes to another lie. And and I, I really am very clean that I wasn't lying. I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a very personal thing. And yeah. And I really yeah, and it was your survival, right? Oh, yeah. And But that's what you were doing is you were surviving. And when you start to release and let go and find your wholeness again, that's when you're thriving. Right. Like, right. You start like you were surviving very beautifully working for amazing companies and like living the life. But the thriving, the inner thriving wasn't there. Yeah. Well, the thing was, was um, with the, I, I no, because the, well, let me say this much. I was still, even after he had died, yeah. I was still in that story. So I was yeah. still in the survivor mode. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, never, yeah. So as far as thriving or striving, I may have looked like I was doing good on the yeah. outside, but I was in survivor mode. I, I can always, in a heartbeat, if I allow myself, go back to that. I'm more comfortable being a survivor than I am a thriver. Mm. Um, I don't live that way anymore. And of course, I enjoy and love my life and being, you know, a thriver and survivor. But this is what starts to happen is that that's why we have to talk about our stories, because that part may be over the survivor mode may be over. What yeah. are we still trying to hide from? And that's why I started doing the work. I'm like, he's been gone right. like 15 right. years. Like, yeah. why can't I? And I mean, I, my kids didn't know. Yeah. I mean, wow. yeah. So um, don't, yeah. you're not, you're not your story. Yeah. 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 I think that's a big, big takeaway. Yeah. Anything you did, you know, you did, you know, maybe because you had to do it, you felt it was the right choice. And if you're not happy with your choices, then as adults or as we move on in our lives, we learn to make new choices. Yeah. Right. Because choices define where we, where we are. So wherever you are right now, the choices that you made before that, that's why you're here right now. So if you want to shift something in your life, if you want something to be different, you've got to look at the choices that you're making. So that choice to go from survivor to thriver was a conscious choice. Yeah. Doesn't mean it was easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, you know, but it was the 
you know, most beautiful thing that I, uh, that I've ever done. And that's what I teach women to do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like that may be the big takeaway is you are not your story, but is there anything else we've been talking for a long time? Is there anything else you feel like someone in this audience needs to hear from you before we wrap up? You know, um, I just think really living your life from a place of love, loving yourself, loving others, seeing the world with loving kindness. Um, They're not just tools, they're real, they work. And when I really learned to take care of myself and love myself and value myself, right? Am I worthy? You know, if you're having trouble doing that kind of feeling that way about yourself, you know, do that exploration work because you are worthy. You do matter. You are not your story, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You are a beautiful, beautiful, um, you know, I always say creature of God. You can put in any word that you would. Of course, yeah. We are pure. We are pure. We're born into this world pure. And so if you can remember that you're not stained, tarred or anything, you will live a much, much um, richer, richer and joyful life. So Mm. always go back to love, return to love. Always go back to love. One of my favorite questions is what would love do? Just over and over again, what would love do? I feel like it's such good, exactly. It's gotta do. But it's such a guiding light for me. It's like, oh, I know exactly what to do. I just have to ask myself what would love do? And exactly what you said. We are love. So really I'm just asking myself what to do. Yeah. Well, remind yourself to give yourself love because we have no problem giving people love. Oh, that's usually our children, our family, our friends, our you know, cohort. We're like, oh yeah. But when it comes to giving it to yourself, who do we beat up the hardest? Yeah. Us. Yeah. Don't be so hard on yourself. That's what I'll tell everybody. Don't awesome. be so hard. Thank you so much. We will link to you and link to your book. Um, do you want to share how someone could could yeah, find you quickly? I would, yeah, I would love that you could just come on to my website um, at kathycrawford.com. I do spell Kathy with the E, K-A-T-H-E. Um, so you'll find me there. There's even a link for the book in there. The book is on Amazon. But um, I would, you know, and I'd love to hear from anyone with questions and, you know, any comments, um, you could reach me right through Instagram or on my website and share your story. That's what I'm building here, a community of storytellers. Mm, thank you so, so much. It's been well, thank you really such a pleasure. All right. Until next week. Thanks for listening, and as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.